You're listening to The Chain, a science podcast where we bring what is new in the field of biologics and protein engineering to the community of scientists working in this field. We discuss the latest developments with leaders who are on the front lines of cutting-edge research. On episode three, Hannah Law sits down to speak with Dr. Marco Castellane, a senior scientist at VTT Technical Research Center of Finland, all about cell-free protein synthesis. Dr. Marco Castellane, senior researcher at VTT Technical Research Institute of Finland. Marco, thank you for joining us. It's nice to be here. Can you tell me more about your role in industrial biotechnology at VTT? Yeah, I just joined VTT a year ago. In VTT, I'm a senior researcher. And in the research area that we are working on, like I'm working in, it's uh, called the Biotechnology and Food Solutions. And then I'm working in the protein production group specifically. We work on many different projects and divided between customer projects and research projects. And since we are a non-for-profit, our research institute state-owned. All the profits we make, they are being invested back in research. And in addition, we do traditional research grants. So we apply for traditional research grants within the EU and locally, even from the U.S. And the proteins that we are working on, they are very diverse. So we are working on material proteins and pharmaceutical proteins, enzymes, food ingredients. And, and we have several methods that we are working with. We are using mainly fungi and plants and yeast cells. But we are also interested in additional methods. So for example, I was hired for a background in the cell-free expression work. And yeah, it's been really great to move from the university to here to work on meaningful big projects, actually. It's been really, really a lot of fun. So you work on cell-free synthesis, which was first used more than 50 years ago, but has experienced a bit of a resurgence in the last couple decades. How has the field evolved in your view, and why do you think there has been this resurgence? That's a very good question, actually. I've done a little bit of background checking on this because the field has exploded, really, in the last years. I think it was this paper in General Biology Chemistry in 1958 described it first. In my opinion, I'm not 100% sure, but I thought it was the first one. And then not so much has happened after that. And I think we really had to wait for molecular biology in the last 20, 30 years to mature as it did so that we could understand the translation and transcription more at the molecular level. And then after that, well, many different lysates have been tried. I think that a lot of people, they use E. coli lysates or main cells, EKR, reticulocytes, etc. But even people have now done mixed lysates, co-expression of complexes. Then people are saying, okay, disulfur bridges, disulfide bridges are not possible in Schwartz. In Stanford, they showed, of course, they, can do, they, do, they do the disulfide bridges. Then we had membrane proteins, so it was the next hurdle. And then people are even saying, okay, it's impossible to do post-translation modifications. When we saw this ER-like vesicle where one pop in nature communications last year. So it tools that people think are not coming, they came so fast. And then even in 2011, Zavada showed that we can do 100-liter scale-up. And so I think the resurgence has have been driven by molecular biology, but then has been applied in so many different fields. And that's why it's an exciting field, I think. And that not sure if it will fully replace cell expressions, but it definitely will support each other quite strongly. 
and that's also where we think we're going to go with. We hope you're enjoying this episode of The Chain and wanted to take a minute to share some exciting news in the world of protein engineering. The 11th annual PEGS Europe conference is taking place November 18th through the 22nd in Lisbon, Portugal. You can learn more about the meeting at www.pegsummiteurope.com. That's P-E-G-S-U-M-M-I-T-E-U-R-O-P-E.com. Early registration rates apply until September 6th, so head over to register with the key code POD100 to save $100 on registration. That's P-O-D-1-0-0. We hope to see you there. So you said that it could be applied in many fields. And so I was going to ask you, how is cell-free protein synthesis being used at VTT? So I'm guessing that it's used in a variety of ways. But can you talk about how you use it in your work specifically? Yeah, like I said, I've only been at VTT for a year now. So we are setting up different systems. But in the past, I have mainly applied it for pharmaceutical protein screening. So expression of pharmaceutical protein and screening them for expressibility and also for functionality. That's been really powerful. But at VTT, so cell-free protein expression has been used even before I came for pathway engineering in E. coli And at the moment, we are using it for expressibility and functionality of material protein for the fashion industry. So it's really exciting. In one of our spearhead projects or the IBEX projects, and maybe Google this prop bombers or IBEX projects from VTT, and you'll see some interesting examples there. In the future, we see that we are going to use this more for the screening of expressibility of other proteins for our project, as well as proper selection host for large-scale production. So we would like to screen expressibility of specific genes and see if certain hosts are good at it, and then apply it into the cells and make a link correlation between these two. Of course, there needs to be some work done, but we think we can do it. That's great. Um, I didn't even know that the fashion industry was using this sort of technique and using proteins. So in addition to being a researcher, and maybe they're not separate, but you're also a science writer, what connections do you see between the research and writing process, and why is science writing important to you? We are telling stories. So I think that's important that we tell good stories. Also, my background is a little bit in quality assurance before this. And there is a rule of thumb there is that you do what you say, and then you say what you do. So in other words, you have to document really well what you observe, and then make sure that the protocol that you are following up to the letter so that you do your job well. So this makes the quality of the work is good. Therefore, in science, it, it would dilute new discoveries if we would not describe them at all in the right way. And so colleagues out there, they want to see if what we have been discovered, if it's true, and repeat it. And the only way they can repeat it is by reading what you have written. So if it's poorly written, then, of course, it's very hard to prove that what you have discovered is real. So that's one connection So between research and the writing process. So I don't think one can be with the, without the other. This has been established for over a long time. On the other hand, we also need to convince our funders that we want to do what we want to do, and that makes sense. And there's not a waste of time that what we want to do, and also that we are not wasting taxpayers' money. So the establishment of a written track record through peer review articles is very important. And at the same time, grant application must be clear, clearly written and logically written so that the evaluators can weigh it. And the third communication, which I think is very important, and also at VTT, this is what's even more important than when I was working at the university, is communication to the public. So we need to tell engaging stories that are compelling and showing the meaningfulness of the work that we are doing. How are we serving society? How can society benefit from what we do? What's the impact of it? And all these three aspects of the writing I, I really like, and they complement each other. And the more you write, the easier it gets.
in that sense, I think it's very important that like these three aspects of writing and then make sure that they are connected. And in the end, that we are explaining really well, why is it meaningful? What is the impact of it? And finally, what motivates your work at BTT? Well, one reason that I switched from the university and to come to BTT was to make a real impact. So at the university, we, of course, we had great ideas and we were working on great projects. And at BTT, everybody's working on the same goals. So we have big issues at the moment in the, in, in, in the world. We all know them. We have global warming. We have the plastic problems. We are using too many resources at the moment, food industry, etc. So it's really great to be in an organization where we are all together working on solving the big problems. And I think that what really motivates me is that you can see that what you're doing has actually impact. And that motivates me in science. Marco, thank you for taking the time and sharing your insights today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on The Chain. Tune in next time for more conversations about science, research, and exploring the world of protein engineering. You can learn more about today's conversation and submit a proposal for future episodes at healthtech.com slash the chain.